And now it's time to bait our hooks, cast our nets, drop our poles in the water, and fish for some jokes with Down on the Dock. Well, 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 welcome to episode 34 of Down on the Docks. We're a little giggly here today. (laughs) (laughs) My name's Chris Neft. (laughs) My name's Chris Neft. And as always, I'm joined by my uh, baked uh, cohort, Dave Sarah. How are you, buddy? Hello. I have to admit, I got some DMs over the weekend and they're like, the more baked Dave is, the more I like the show. <laughs> well, you fucking, you keep going, excuse my language, Yeah, but you keep going uh, right into the queue right when I come in, so I need a second pause so I can make the uh-huh. edits. Okay. You know? Well, so that's what made our me listeners, laugh every time because you keep coming in so eagerly. Our here. listeners, <laughs> well, well. <laughs> our listeners need you yes. bong ripped. Yeah, so that's I all am, that we can bong ripped. Okay, so um, guys, if you're just joining us and this is your first experience on Down on the Docks, welcome. Uh, we do encourage all of our listeners uh, to check us out on our social media platforms on Twitter, like Down on the Docks. And of course, Instagram down on the docks pod. And as always, please leave us a five star review if you enjoy the show or if you just want to tell Dave about a new pot strain he's not yeah. aware of. Tell us you hate us, honestly. Give us a five star review and tell us you hate us. Uh, we had a lot of fun last week with White Boy. Uh, yeah, course, man. That was remember- fun. <laughs> Yeah, I was just having, I was giving you the the thousand yard glare right there. Yeah, it's yeah, called a thousand boy. yard stare, not stare. a glare. <laughs> I don't care. Well, you hey, know Dr. what? Seuss. We haven't gone to um, retractions and uh, mistakes. and retractions. <laughs> but we did have a few last week. Okay. Uh, midnight Run. Mm-hmm. Uh, I said Midnight Run about the movie, the mm-hmm. heroin, uh, the dope smuggling it's movie. Midnight Train. And it wasn't heroin. It was hash. Oh. It was Midnight Express. Now, ah. here's where it gets weird. Weird. Midnight Run mm-hmm. was a film that was directed by Martin Bress that uh, starred uh, De Niro and Grode. Yeah, okay. But he also directed Beverly Hills Cop. Oh, so no. As you can uh, see, uh-huh. everything has come full circle. And it always comes back around. Dave, why don't you let our listeners know who this week's episode is sponsored by? This week's episode of Down in the Docks is brought to you by Broccoli Farms, established 2016 in San Diego, California, by cannabis entrepreneur Anthony Bird. Broccoli Farms is a modern take on cannabis brands around the world. By combining new terminology involving cannabis worldwide, Anthony created a cannabis brand that uniquely represents the entire cannabis industry as one, Broccoli Farms the lowest delivery minimum in San Diego. Fair prices and quality products makes Broccoli Farms one of the best deliveries in San Diego for almost a decade. Be sure to mention Down on the Docks, that's D-O-C-S, podcast for 15% off your next order along with FTP gifts and rewards. By the way, FTP means first-time patients. That's right, it does. And buddy, I'm not done with circling the wagons with Beverly Hills Cop because Retard Sexual Blowtorch 68 he wanted me to remind everybody that not only did Martin Brest direct Beverly Hills Cop and Midnight Run, but Beverly Hills Cop also featured Ronnie Cox. Remember him? The I do. The police sergeant, yeah. uh, captain. Well, he was also in the movie RoboCop, 
which was set in Detroit. Cops on cops, dog. Uh-huh. Of which the titular character then appeared in the 1990 NWA pay-per-view cross-promotional wrestling event, Capital Combat Return Whoa. of RoboCop, what which the? featured a championship tag match involving the Midnight Express. Whoa. That's crazy. By the way, check out Broccoli Farms 619 on Instagram. Sorry to interrupt. You're good. Uh, you ready for a fun one? Let's hear it, baby. How do you feel about a They're caper? They're all fun ones. I know, but how do you feel about a caper? I like capers on my um, salmon on top of my bagels. Okay, and that's why I tell the jokes around here. So this week's episode what is the called... the a caper? <laughs> then tell me what, else, what what's a caper. Oh, you didn't really know what a caper is. A no. caper... <laughs> I, mean, I thought capers were... A Those caper things I'm talking. is when you pull off a sting or a Ooh. heist or <laughs> you, something. Sorry, folks. I didn't know any of your old-timey knowledge there. Uh, sorry, buddy, but caper's not an old-timey word. It's common knowledge that it's... Uh, what, in, in the first edition of Batman? Buddy, caper's been around for a while. Yeah, I know it's been a while for, around for a while. Everything's, everything's been around kind of for a while, dude. All right. We use new shit. All right. Like, uh, I couldn't even give you anything new. I know. That's bet. why, that's hey, why I'm bet. in charge. Okay, a caper. Okay. A fun one. Cool. The title of this film is called Man on Wire. Any Sick. guesses? Yes, tightrope walking. You're pretty close. In fact, you're accurate. This film was... <laughs> I'd direct- say I'm dead on balls accurate. <laughs> this film was uh, released in 2008 and directed by James Marsh. Um, so we're going we're gonna to start. Okay. Um, we, we open on a crate and we hear the sound of rain mm. and... Thunderclaps, mm. and we hear a voice. <laughs> booty, booty clapping? Not that kind. <laughs> and then we hear a voice, and it goes like this. In the middle of the night, I have almost a uh, nightmare. Oh, no, this guy's foreign. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> Fucking foreign. I wake up, and I'd forgotten to nail the shot case. Uh, so there I go. It's raining. I must have walked up the whole neighborhood, you know, uh, not closing the box. It was nailing the coffin. And I'm nailing the coffin. I see it as that. You know, why is this expression? Why they start? Well, maybe death is now looking through the golden frame of this dream. And now reality is going to choke me to death. That is a gentleman by the name of Philippe Petit, a Frenchman, if you're trying to Ah, isolate the accent. Is that what that is? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, I wish people at home could see your gestures because you're really giving (laughs) me your 100% there. Well, this is why we might end up doing some videos someday. Well, we see a calendar. You know how they like mark off the X's? Yeah. Like something big's going to happen. Yeah, yeah. Well, on the August 7th. Like your first period. it's, It's circled. And then the title says Le Coup. All right. Uh oh. Le Coup. Yeah, that's French for, for coup. the coup. Yes. <laughs> oh, no. All right. Let's get back to Phil. He says, Now I am a Tuesday. They're insurrectionists, too. <laughs> Jesus. He says, uh, Now I am Tuesday, the 6th of August. So we're going to meet another Frenchman uh, named Jean-Francois Heckel. Now, there's going to be several French people coming in and out of this, <laughs> okay. but I can't do multiple French accents. No, they're all going to be the same French <laughs> accent. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Very quickly, yes. this, my ex-girlfriend, her, mother is from, her grandmother is from Mexico. She doesn't speak any English. Yeah. But one day, she, came, she was staying with my uh, girlfriend, and uh, the um, she's watching on the Armenian channel. Oh, what channel is that? I don't remember. Is it called the Armenian it's channel? It's called the Armenian channel. Okay. Okay. On the Armenian channel. It's the Al Jazeera of Armenia. No, yeah, pretty much. Uh, it's everything Armenian. 
on the Armenian channel. She's watching a Spanish soap opera mm -hmm. dubbed over in Armenian. Makes sense. It's the Armenian channel. And subtitled in English. She wanted it all. Yeah. So she was it was a it was a it was a soap opera she had already watched. Uh-huh. Being but the funny part about this is that all the so it's being dubbed over in Armenian, but all the men are the same voice oh, and all the okay. women are the same voice. Okay. So if somebody's talking to somebody on the phone, yeah, it just you get it gets you lose yourself. Well, you certainly know how to de derail a shell. No, I mean just, I thought I'm, that was funny. I'm kidding. It is funny. So uh, let's get back to our second freshman. Let's uh, go. Jean Francois Heckle. Yeah, I, I, which you just did to me. Yeah, okay. fucking heckled your ass, dude. So Jean-Francois, uh, he says it was tense, but we were eager to get going. Everything was ready. Well, we see a man loading what looks like an arrow, like a very large arrow, into one of those fat construction cylinder type tubes. Yeah, um, like something that would shoot off a giant firework. Something like that could look like that. Uh, we also see more or men a missile. in a hotel room. Preparing for some kind of coup caper. <laughs> okay. Um, and then we see a woman addressing a letter in the background. And the, the name on the envelope is Mr. Barry Greenhouse. And his address is the 82nd floor of the World Trade Center 2. Cool. So then we see them load this massive crate into a van. Something is about to go down. <laughs> All right, it's time to meet another Frenchman. <laughs> and it's not 9-11. No, this is pre-9-11. Yes. So uh, we meet another Frenchman named Jean-Louis Blondeau. So again, you got a Jean-Francois. Uh -huh. This is a Jean-Louis. Yes. And then you got Phil, the main guy. <laughs> Phil, hey. Hi. Philippe Petit. Oh, oh. Le so, Philippe Petit. So Jean-Louis says everybody was getting more and more nervous. And finally, we're all ready. And we said, okay, let's go. So we jump in the truck. <laughs> We're not going to die. We're not. We're going to live. Well, there's also an accomplice, a female accomplice, involved in this caper. Um, she's a French woman as well, and her name is Annie. So she says, "I remember the extremely tense silence in the van." Uh, Alan, was, I started flicking my bean. Alan <laughs> was absolutely somber. Philippe, extremely tense, and I was petrified. I was extremely worried. Well, Jean-Francois, he says, I was disguised as a workman with a helmet, a shirt, to look like an American. Yeah. So to look like an, even more of an American, I put pencils in my pocket. <laughs> a lot of pens. Yeah. Uh, he says that's... Very official. He says that's typically American, apparently. Uh, yes. Well, we also meet another American. I guess in the 80s. Wait, what, what year is this supposed to be? I'm not telling you yet. Oh, okay. Okay. We also meet another American conspirator. Now, he goes by David, a.k.a. Donald. So he says, I was going to be on the crew in the South Tower. We're going to go at closing time with a big hamper with all the gear in it. Mm -hmm. uh, there was going to be some guys in the North Tower as well, dressed for business with much less gear and the architect's tube. And I believe that was holding the bow as well. Mm-hmm. But Phil says there is uh, electricity in the air between Jean-Louis and Albert. I can read it in Jean-Louis's face. He doesn't trust Albert. <laughs> well, Jean-Louis Blandeau, he says, I had a bad feeling there's something wrong with this guy. He's not at all on the same track that we are. Well, we're going to meet conspirator Alan, a.k.a. Albert. They do this. There's, yeah. there's 
you know, as David, a.k.a. Gay. Donald. Well, that's probably because they don't want to go to jail of telling this story, even though the statute yeah, yeah, of limitations yeah. have run yeah. out. So uh, Alan, a.k.a. Albert, says fear was in the air. I assumed that even in the best possible situation that we were all going to be arrested, there was no doubt in that. I can't imagine how they didn't feel the same way. Well, Phil continues. He says, I felt the... Fish pants, Phil. I felt the horizontality of driving through the streets of Manhattan. It suddenly became silent. I was on the ramp. I was being engulfed by the monster. And he says... NBO, well, I'm sure. <laughs> of course. These guys probably smell. They look like they smelled before they started the caper. Okay. Smelly right, dudes. I'll just tell you, it's it's the early 70s. Okay. It's 1974. Smelly, smelly dudes okay. that smoke. Well, Annie says, Philippe said to me, I know what's going to happen. Uh, we're going to get in and we're going to get caught. Well, Philippe, he says, it was certainly not a dream anymore. It uh, was tangible. <laughs> <laughs> like palpable. Yes. Like your, like your odor. Well... <laughs> <laughs> we see the van pull up to the security guard at the World Trade Center complex, and um, they pull out their fake IDs. Ah. Uh, Phil's going to go by... <laughs> I'm Billy. <laughs> Phil's going to go by Philip Asher, and they have these fake IDs, and they say that they're working for the Fisher Industrial Fence Company. So the, the security... How did, say, how did they spell Fisher? F-I-S-H-E-R? You got it. Why does really? that matter? Because <laughs> that's not typically a last name. Oh, okay. It's usually spelled like Fisher. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, like uh, with C-H and shit. I think you're wrong. The I drivers... Mean, there are... Okay, go on. The drivers just wave them through. Yeah. Okay. Well, Annie says he could no longer carry on living without having at least tried to conquer those towers yeah, because it felt like those towers belonged to him. It was as if they had been built, especially for him. Hmm. Titles to, 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 uh, to con. I mean, if you, I'm not going to tell you. Okay. 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 Titles up man on wire. Mine on wire. Okay. So we opened, dude, I honestly thought this was just like about some dude that like was going to fucking tightrope walk the grand Canyon. I had no idea. It's like all about some heist or something. It, it may or may not be. Oh, okay. Because I just... Do, do, you just okay. want, do you just want me to go to the last no, page to just, just tell everybody no, what no, happened? No, I'm so sorry. I just thought... I just thought, I literally thought that's where we're doing it. So dude, it, you're telling me. Okay. Keep going. Keep telling me. Well, we open up on a construction pit of the World Trade Center before it's... <laughs> you're like, we're sorry. We're a construction pit, Grand Canyon. Okay, go. go. Before it's actually been built. Wow. So... Concrete's being poured. Uh, massive steel beams are being craned skyward. It's a very beautiful sight. Mm -hmm. And then we see a picture of a young boy climbing on a wire in an old black. And by the way, phone. exact same site as if when it was down. Yeah. By the way. Yeah. You can't say that's a beautiful sight, though. No, you same, certainly can't. Same exact site, though. It, pretty much. But can't say it's beautiful. I got it the first time. Okay. Um, and then we see this boy in these old black and white photos, and he's also playing with decks of playing cards. Like he's clearly okay. a magician. So Phil <laughs> Phillips says, once upon a time... Clearly a magician. Uh, now that's how you start a fairy tale. And actually, my story is a fairy tale. Here I am, 17 years old, with a bad tooth. It's one of those uncolorful waiting rooms of a French dentist's office. It's really lit with like a little 40-watt bulb. And you have old ladies and people and, you know, sheepishly looking at magazines. It's quiet. And suddenly I freeze. Hmm. 
because I have opened a newspaper at that page and I see something magnificent, something that inspires me. I see two ah, towers. I see. And the article says one day these towers will be built. I see where we're going. They're now. not even there yet. Uh-huh. And when they are, they will become the highest in the world. Now, I need to have that. There's little tangible start of dream. But everybody yeah. is watching. Sick. But I need the page. So yeah. what I do is, under the cover of a sneeze, ah, oh, shoo, I tear the page and rip it from the magazine and put it under my jacket, and then I go out. Oh, now, of course, I have a toothache for a week, but what's the pain? In comparison that now I've acquired my dream. Usually, when you have a dream, the object of your dream is tangible. It's there, it's a chaotic, but it's there, nagging you, you know, confronting you, but the object of my dream does not exist yet. I was 20 years old. Mm. Well, we see more Beautiful. vintage film of the World Trade Center being built. And it's pretty impressive. You got these guys, they're working at extreme yeah. heights. Yep. Pretty windy up there. Pretty windy, walking on beams. Yeah. Well, let's go to back to France. Beaming it. Many years before. And we see Phil in his backyard walking on a tightrope mm-hmm. as Annie watches. Uh-huh. Uh, she says, I was 20 years old at the time. I was a very shy girl. And I was surprised by this individual. And he even more surprised when he began to chase me relentlessly. Um, He would bring me flowers, arrange little dates, send me love letters. French are very good at this, by the way. Uh, I was completely overwhelmed. Uh, Harpooned, that is the word she uses to describe this infatuation. And then he, of course, introduces her to his wire. Yeah, no. (laughs) Not the way you think. Yeah. A wire set up. No, actually, it's exactly the way I thought. It's it's a wire like in his backyard. Yeah. Some real nerd shit. She would spend hours watching him walk. And he wasn't experienced at the time. Uh, He was just beginning his life as a tightrope walker. Right. Well, they become inseparable. And she's completely uh, consumed by his passion. Right. And uh, he never thought to ask her whether she had her own destiny to follow. She says it was quite clear I had to follow his. Aww. Well, we see all these old vintage home movies. Mm-hmm. They're having a blast on that wire. Yeah. He's doing, you know, tricks. He's blindfolded. He's carrying her on the wire, piggyback style. Well, Phil says, Annie, who knows me better than everyone, Annie, who is at my side during my discovery of the wire, whose large green eyes move me. When we embrace, we look like two kids, <laughs> plotting out Jesus. our next piece of mischief. Mm. I started as a young, self-taught wire walker. The dream, not so much of conquering the universe, but as a poet conquering beautiful stages. Jesus Christ. Okay. So, <laughs> it's fucking... It's, it's just, very animated. It's just tightrope walking, <laughs> We see the like Paris. It's not some kind of great art. We see the Paris skyline at night. The Eiffel Tower is in the distance. Although uh, tightrope walking oh. is one of those things that I will akin that is close to, and it's not as difficult nearly, uh-huh. but to like free solo base rock, jumping. Rock, no rock oh, climbing. Free soloing. Yeah, like like a climbing without a rope. Yeah, Alex because, Arnold stuff. Yeah, because like. If you panic, you're uh-huh. fucked. You're done. Yeah. Or you're if stuck, a wind you, comes up out of nowhere. That too. But more of like that, like the wind you can deal with. You're you're trained to deal with the wind. It's the yeah. panic. Yeah. Well, Jean-Louis, he says, one day he said, 
I really would like to put a wire on Notre Dame. Mm. Oh, he just got this guy's just trying to find some iconic thing to fucking walk across. Well, you got to get your start somewhere. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Jean Louis says at first I thought it was a joke, but in the meantime, I knew that there was something a little bit real about it. And then we started to talk more and more, and we started to plan. And it took a year for me to find the right way to do it. Well, Jean Francois, he says Jean Louis uh, had told me right away that it was illegal. So I knew it was illegal, but of course, that's what got me a bit excited against the law, but not wicked or mean. Mm-hmm. It was wonderful. Yeah. So we're going to go to uh, Notre Dame Cathedral, Paris, June of 1971. Oh. We immediately see Philip on a wire at the top between the That was two. destroyed recently too, wasn't it? It caught on fire, but they the put it back together. $800 million insurance job? Hey, they got a lot of money, these Catholics. All right, that's like a drop in the bucket. Yeah. So it's amazing. It's breathtaking what you're seeing here. Yeah. And Jean Louis says, Can you imagine you wake up in the morning and was he there before it was built too? (laughs) Did he have a shot of before Notre Dame was built? Okay, they do not. Okay. But all of a sudden you look up and you see a high uh, high wire walker between Notre Dame. It's a dream. Um, That's what really attracts me. It's the challenges of doing something that's supposed to be impossible. And in the meantime, doing something that's so beautiful that not only doesn't hurt people, but gives something to somebody. Yeah. Well, Annie, she was there and she says, suddenly Philip appears on the wire. It was amazing. I went inside. I was excited. And I leaned over the, uh, the nave and saw a huge ceremony was taking place in Notre Dame. There were a dozen or so priests dressed in all white, arms crossed, and they were lying on the floor, their heads against the floor. They show footage of this. Okay. She says, I was staggered. The back of their heads on the floor. They're laying down, facing the floor. Facing the floor. Yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. She says, I'm dumbstruck. And then the organist said, what are you doing in here? And I said, there's a wire walker up there on the towers. This gentleman looked at me with an expression of wonder, and he said, oh, really? A wire walker? How amazing. Well... We see a, fo- a still photo yeah. of Philip uh, up top, and the police are waiting on the other on both sides of the cathedral okay. for him to get off the wire. Then you see these gorgeous stills of people below. Sick. And what year is this? This is 71. Wow. Their jaws are just dropped in amazement. That's kind of cool, dude. He juggles on it as well. Sick. So let's <laughs> get back. Does he finger bang a hoe on there? Okay. No, he doesn't. Let's get back to August 7th, uh, the South Tower. That would be impressive. You're, you're, you're going to linger on the finger, huh? Okay. <laughs> okay. I'm, uh, I've, okay, just I have a question. You want to see sex on a wire? In the future yeah. of this documentary. No in, one's going to fuck on the wire, okay, Dave. Okay, damn it. Okay. okay. But in the future of the documentary, do they explain the logistics <laughs> of... Uh, of setting up the wire no that's why they, i'm going to come in with the simpsons episode no but shit. you're kind of jumping the gun a little okay, bit no that's fine that's fine i just want to know if at some point we're going to talk about it because we that are. is so that's what that's that's getting your dick hard yeah thinking about that, thinking about that. that like well, that breaks at any moment uh-huh you're fucked it's a very very complicated process i bet but as you're used to hearing me say on the show what uh we'll get there yeah okay okay i was gonna say Pussy. Okay. Back to August 7th. That's what I say on the show. That's what you say on the show. Back to August 7th. It's 3.58 p.m. Okay? Jean-Francois, he says, we drove the van inside. 
We got through the first security barrier. We presented the company documents and the fake invoices. They did a lot of prep work. Sure. They're basically saying, we got to install some fencing on this floor or whatever. Yeah. Everything was planned. Well, Phil says, and now we are horizontal again. <laughs> we were driving. <laughs> I love these like neo fucking terms, like these neo um, tight walk. Tight rope walker terms. He's very passionate about what yeah. he does. He says, we were driving in the subterranean garage of D2 Towers, and we were going, I knew the plan, ha ha ha, we're going to make it to the freight elevator of the South Tower. It uh, was the whole plan was in the making. Now, North Tower, simultaneously, well, a couple minutes later, we see two more of the team members walk in. Now, this is going to be Albert and Jean-Louis. Well, Alan, a.k.a. Albert, says the plan was simple. We had ID cards, so it was just a matter of kind of pushing our way through it. Once we gotten into the buildings, it was pretty smooth sailing. Mm -hmm. And he says the time had come for us to part. There was a real madness in his eyes, a real rage. It was truly, I'm going to do this no matter what, and now is the time. And he held me in his arms as if we would never see each other ever again. Mm. Phil says, if I die, it was a beautiful death. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> to die in the exercise of your passion. <laughs> this guy's a real fucking... He's a real. He's a real piece. He really loves what he does. I mean, is he good looking? What does he... Does he he's, describe he, this guy to me. He's, uh, he's, you know, he's got... He looks like a little bit of a munchkin. He's, oh, you know, a little munchki. He's got red hair, freckles, looks small, curly hair. Looks small up there anyway. He looks Can't a little really small, but he's very. Uh, I'd say he's probably five five. Mm -hmm. You know, smelly. But he, I don't know. Uh, but he's very uh, athletic. Okay. You know, he's toned. Okay. Um, but yeah, he's probably gonna smell seventies toned. Yeah. Well, let's flash back to Sydney, Australia. Okay. Of June, nineteen seventy three. We're going to meet Mark, the Australian. And Mark. Mark, he says, we broke into the Sydney Arbor Bridge. <laughs> I'm kidding. He doesn't talk like that at <laughs> Mac. all. Mac. My name's Mac. He's a normal. He's weird. He doesn't have much of an Australian accent. But he says, we broke into the Sydney Harbor Bridge pylon one night. We carried all the equipment in, put a tightrope up, disappeared in the morning, and then sat down on the street, and we watched Philippe walk backwards and forwards. Now, do you know the Sydney Harbor Bridge? Pretty iconic. The yes, yes, yes. All the right. one that's near the opera house. Correct. Well, we see vintage film of this mm -hmm. and it's spectacular. Being built? No. <laughs> okay. We see, okay. No. It's yeah. already built. Okay. So Phil says the fact that the water walking activity is framed by death is great because then you have to take it very seriously. It's a little half a millimeter of a mistake or a quarter of a second of inattention yeah. and you will lose your life. Right. Well, the police show up in minutes. Wow. And when he was taken away, the first thing he did, this this guy got out of the cuffs. Nope. Oh, damn it. <laughs> he pickpocketed the policeman's watch. Though. Oh, okay. That's cool though. How do you pickpocket the watch? Pick wrist. He's a circus wrist guy. Wrist pocket. They know all the tricks. Yeah. Well, but no, that's crazy that he took off his watch. That's good. Some good sleight of hand there. Let's take a look at the twin towers. Uh, they were completed in '73. But tenants actually began arriving in December of 1970 because they need to make money while this thing's in construction. So uh, Philip says, these uh, Twin Towers are trotting in my head. <laughs> you know, I'm galloping in my brain. I am back in Paris, slapping the face. 
Ferris match, double page, the Twin Towers are built. But right now, the picture tells me that those beams are still not covered. Yeah, that's the, that's the, that's the bullshit with the Eiffel Tower. It's only got one side. I you didn't know that. No, oh no, not one side. Like, there's only one peak. Uh, like, you can't walk across well, anything Oh, I else. see what you're saying, yeah. Yeah, it's not cool. Um, he says... Ah, that pussy, that pussy Eiffel Tower. He says, these things are not yet painted. I see workers. I imagine being for a few more months or a year, who knows? It's in construction. I can sneak in. Well, according to Annie, one day he showed her a photo of the two buildings in a magazine, and she's immediately frightened. She says it's inhuman to try and walk up there 450 meters high. Keep in mind, it's the tallest building in the world at this point. Yes. Um, she says this was becoming demonic. I just wanted to say stop. Well, Phil says the plan was for me to bring all my equipment to the 82nd floor, which was <laughs> which was Barry's hiding place. Remember Barry Greenhouse? Yes. There was one in his... I, I thought you said very exciting place. Sorry. <laughs> there was one in his tower, the same floor. And to put all the equipment there using the freight elevator, saying delivery for the second floor, and Barry will be there to receive, okay? <laughs> Well, let's meet, uh -huh. let's meet Barry Greenhouse. Um, Barry Greenhouse, who goes by the inside man. Okay. Okay. Barry says, at the time, I was an assistant director of research at the New York State Insurance Department. We just moved in, and I was on what was then the highest occupied floor in two World Trade Center. I knew there was going to be a team in each tower, and that the stuff was going to be delivered to me. Then it was going to be carried up 28 floors. So the goal is elevator to 82nd, okay. and then you huff it, puff it manually <laughs> up the it, stairs. Puff it. Yeah. Well, Philip says the operator of the front elevator had not come, completely hold the full man, shout 82nd floor. Huh. And it was clearly our delivery bill, and it was noticed on the package on the invoice. 82nd. He asked to the group, what floor again? Well, right there, I think this is, I said clearly, 104. Okay, whatever. Watch your hands and clean the gate. Clanked, shut. Now we are in a plywood box in the temporary fret elevator going all the way up. It's very dark. It is a travel toward Yvonne. And the darkness becomes gray. <coughs> and I see a square of gray that becomes light there. I see a square of light. It is this sky. We're getting there, and we're arriving just a few floors before the roof with all of our equipment. Well, Barry says Annie came to my office and told me that they had a great stroke of luck and good fortune, and they managed to get uh, the freight elevator all the way to the top. Well, that saves them 20 floors of carrying all this heavy equipment. Yeah, that's good. Okay? That's good. Well, Phil says now I feel myself. And, and at this point of the, the documentary, uh -huh. we don't know what they're gonna they're go they're doing yet. No, we have a pretty good idea. Pretty good idea, but yeah. we don't know. Yeah. So Phil says now I found myself in a deserted floor, one of four. And the first thing we do is unpack and take equipment out. Suddenly I hear a god coming. I just look and I see over there a top. So I grabbed Jean-Francois and I threw him underneath and I hear Jean-Francois yell, ah. Jean-Francois says, this beam was over the elevator shaft that had a drop of 400 meters. What? We're just going under it? Now, Donald, he interjects and he says, yeah, 
we had to hide under a tarp. So Donald says, and I kind of was like, well, right at the spur of the moment, I said, you know what, man, I can't do this. Uh, and he's like, good. Okay, go ahead. Phil, he says, go quick. I think who was the more happy, Donald or I? Anyway, bye-bye, Donald. <laughs> okay. Donald says, I felt unbrighted glee. I'm so happy I don't have to do this. I'm running down the stairs, 110 flights. It's like those dreams where you never touch down. It was so beautiful. So let's just reiterate. Yeah. So he's, in the he's South just, Tower, over, yeah. In the South Tower, we have a Philippe mm-hmm. and we have Jean Francois. Okay. In the North Tower, we have um, Jean Louis. Okay. And we have Albert, aka Alan. Okay. So Phil tells the story about being underneath the tarp. He says, "So we are uh, under the tarp, frozen to death." I don't have to mumble to John Francois, don't move. He feels in our body uh, connection. Another God comes. Has he seen us? Has he heard us? Has he seen the top move? But the God comes in and leans against the structure, and he seems to be about a foot away. I hear the crackling of his uh, walkie-talkie, uh-huh. and I hear he takes a, a, a cigarette. Uh-huh. The sound close up now of the lighter and for his first puff of the cigarette, the burning uh, of the extremity of the cigarette. And then like, he seems to be almost leaning in my ear. So we are, I mean, frozen. We do not breathe. Well, let's check in on Jean-Louis and Alan, a.k.a. Albert, in the North Tower. Okay. Jean-Louis says, we waited until 6, 6.30, and then we start to climb. We saw nobody in the stairway. Nobody underneath the roof. It seemed pretty safe. All of a sudden, we hear somebody coming from the stairway. Uh, so we're scared as hell. Who can it be now? So we run to a hiding place, and we jump in the hiding place. We hear some steps. We hear the walkie-talkie noise, and the noises were very confusing. Sometimes you don't hear the guy for 10 minutes, mm-hmm. so you think he's gone. Yeah. All of a sudden, you hear you hear him coughing. Clickety-clank. So you hear a walkie-talkie oh, noise. Fuck. Yeah. So, so they're just staying underneath the tarp because it's That's raining? That's Philip. Or? No, they're on what? the top. Philip okay. and Jean-Francois. Yeah. They're on 104, which okay. is just one step below the roof. Okay. It's a construction area. Got it. Okay? But they're hiding under a tarp yeah. because... Yeah. There's somebody in this room. Oh, they're trying to just they're just trying to jet out. They're not in there for any amount of time for any particular reason. They didn't know that there was going to be a security guard on the top. Got there. it. Well, Jean-Louis, they're in a pickle as well. Uh, Jean-Louis and AKA Albert. They run into their own problems with the security guard. So they just hide. They're not under the tarp, though. Okay. So Alan says, We kept saying, Do you think it's okay now? Or should we wait longer? It was extremely uncomfortable, but you know, once you understand, you don't have a choice. You just try to settle in and just wait. Now, keep in mind, Donald was the accomplice with Philippe and Jean-Francois, and he was like, fuck this, I'm out of here. Jean-Louis adds, at this point, we're in suits, okay, like business suits. Being in a business suit with heavy equipment, hiding behind a pile of boxes, I mean, there's no explanation. (laughs) Sketchy. If we're caught, that was it. Yeah. All right, well, back to Philippe and Jean-Francois. In the South Tower. They're still under the... I'm the owner. There was supposed to be a helipad here. They're still under the tarp. So (laughs) Philip talks about the situation. He says, 
what if the god is still around toying with us waiting for us to make this lightest moment before it bounces on uh, us before it bounces we must wait to erase the torment i return to my memories mm-hmm. <laughs> to erase the, the torment the gold and the golden mud years of dreaming months of organizing i dive back into the past for a long while mm-hmm. so let's flash back hmm. to january mm-hmm. of 1974 about like five months before. <laughs> Philip says, I climbed on the roof of my little house and screamed, I am coming to America. <laughs> I want to live in America. No more cats in America. <laughs> and uh, the minute I got out of the subway, climbing the steps, looking at them, I knew there were no dream. Uh-huh. I knew that it was my dream was destroyed instantly. Impossible, impossibly, impossible, clearly impossible. Not only to walk across this high, I probably already thought of it, but to bring almost like a ton of equipment secretly to rig a wire for hours to guideline it. It's clearly out of human scale, but something in me pulls me, pulls me touching it. All right, let's meet another guy. Maybe when I go to America, I'll take a shower for the first time. So let's meet a gentleman by the name of Jim Moore. He says, that's when he spoke to me about the project. He said, well, I want to string a wire between the two World Trade Center towers. I said, okay, sounds wild. I mean, I never met a high wire walker before, so I had no idea, nor did I even entertain the idea at the time of what the consequences of anything happening would be. It just sounded like a really funny I've adventure. only met low wire walkers. <laughs> well, we'll get to them. Um, to get involved in, he said, so I took it upon myself to say, sure, man, let's work on this. Mm-hmm. The first occasion, we went up in the elevator. We took the elevator to the 86th floor. Uh, when we got off, there was a guard there. He said, what are you doing here? So obviously, we couldn't continue. So we took the elevator back down and then realized, well, let's just walk up. Then we proceeded to climb up the 110 flights to the top. They just go through the stairwell. Well, we make it to the top and we see pictures of them scouting. So they took pictures of their scout while they were up there. Uh, Phil says, we are on top of the world. I see two slabs of concrete, barely inhabited, with some construction. No fence, no net, no nothing. And I am frozen to death. I see the other tower, and I imagine a void. And I refer to run on the slab. I will just fall into another life. And slowly I thought, okay, it's possible. Uh, that's sure. So let's start working. Mm-hmm. Well, Jim says we took pictures of all these things, thinking perhaps that's where the cable might be tied or maybe you know a cable we could use. He wasn't sure how he was going to rig it at this particular time. Uh, Philip says, <laughs> I decided in the staircase to draw a little fresco <laughs> as I needed some tangible proof uh, to show that I was going through different steps in approaching the impossible of actually finding myself on that wire. I even rented a helicopter at some point and Jim was uh, with me taking pictures. I can see how even taking pictures could be problematic. Of course, of the roof, of the equipment there for making a model for mm. measuring. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I also wanted uh, a little bit to see if it is possible. Right. Well, Jim says we wanted to get higher than where he was going to be when he walked on the wire. They want to get like an overhead shot. Yeah. So that was why they got the helicopter. He says it was also 
a way of tricking his mind into not feeling fear by being higher than where he was going to actually be when he did the walk. Interesting. Well, one day, Jean-Louis, he's saying... No, 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 I'm down there. It's not that, it's not that high. Yeah. <laughs> one day, Jean-Louis, he's hanging out in Old Gay Paris. Huh. And he says, I received a postcard with a W dash World Trade Center. I never had heard about the World Trade Center at the time. And he had drawn a little wire on top between the towers on this postcard. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I thought, of course, that's where these towers are there. Yeah. That's why they're there. They're for Philippe. Yeah. So do we know how far apart they are yet? We're going to get there. Okay. So now I go back to France. Okay. The minute I arrive, I don't even go home. I run to Jean-Louis, my friend, and I say, I have a new idea. Well, from the recreations, it looks like he actually literally rode a, a unicycle straight to Jean-Louis' house. <laughs> and you're like, okay, so this guy pretty much does it all. Yeah. Well, Jean-Louis says, So I dumped on my minicycle, <laughs> my unicycle with a dildo on the seat. <laughs> Keeps me in place. <laughs> no, no, it's merely for... Uh, balancing purposes. A, yes, balancing purposes. Uh, Jean-Louis says, we knew that legally we could not do it. I mean, nobody knew Philippe, though. Nobody knew us. Um, you know, you can't go there and say, hey, can we put a wire on top of the World Trade no. Center? They'd say, get out. Yeah. So I tried... How much insurance you got? <laughs> I tried to get information Philippe, from Philippe. Uh, so, okay, you've been there. You told me you've been 10 times to the top, but what did, you know, what did you get? What kind of information do we have? And, you know, he says, but I took pictures. Look, we can put the wire here. He says, I don't know where to put it, but I'll find out with these pictures. So we see, this is very cool. They had vintage film of Phil and Jean-Louis planning this whole thing and they yeah. kept it. Nice. So, you know. Phil's in the background. He's like, this is the best. <laughs> and Jean-Louis is like, a minute ago, you said the whole place was swarming with cops. And he's like, eh, this, this is what they'll, they'll make you do when you're in prison. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They'll make you clean the windows and all the tall towers. Yeah. So, you know, uh, Jean-Louis comes to the conclusion. He's like, dude, we got nothing. Imagine he goes to jail. He becomes a window wiper. And then he, he escapes on tightrope across <laughs> the fucking World Trade Center. From the window washer job yeah, that he's assigned window, to? Yeah. Well, Philip says... I'm making my escape now. It's the slowest escape ever. Philip says of Jean-Louis, he says, he's not driven by the impetuous feeling of dancing between the towers. He's driven by, I'm going to help Philip. I don't want to help him to kill himself. I don't want to be caught there. And I, we want to succeed. We do not want to fail. So for plenty of reasons that are actually noble and understandable, he becomes uh, almost like we fight along. You know, uh, you don't have enough elements, Philippe, uh, to build a serious plan. So now I go back, and this is the second visit to America. Now I spend my time spying on the Twin Towers. Oh, boy. With all my might, I go day and night. I know things and fill the exercise book with all these notes and little doodlings. Oh, boy. <laughs> and I look uh, at what uh, commercial vehicles go underneath for freight delivery. Mm -hmm. I go in. I find a way at uh, lunchtime to uh, disguise uh, myself. Right. The workers seem to arrive in normal cars. At some point, I'm so much into taking notes as a spy around the towers. I don't see it is a construction site. No. <laughs> 
Ah, so I don't see one nail sticking out of uh, a wooden plank. So right there, the big nail goes through my soul. Oh, three days in bed. That ha- wow, that happened to me. That's part of the reason why I look down all the time while I walk. Three days in bed. Yeah, three days. Yep. So, so there I am with the crushes. Nail through the foot. Ugh. I'm walking around on crushes, thinking I'm incapacitated. No, 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 no. It's the opposite. It's a wonderful, a human being with the crochets. Wow, that's like his, those are like his hands. If yes. you're like a yes. hand rope walker. The universe is mine now. Yeah. The gods, you know, help me. Can I Can I help you? Let me hold the door for you. Uh, people you know, sit down, take your time. Nobody asks for my ID. Nobody says, what are you doing here, sir? I have this fabulous, so now, even though my foot is about to be repaired, I use the crutches a lot, yeah. okay? And sometimes you would see the man leaving his crutches and running around uh, to measure something and coming back and being mm, with crutches. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Jim says... One time we go up there and it's super windy and I actually wasn't sure why we were going to go up there. Well, Philip says, I better have the uh, courage to get out of my little trap door mm-hmm. and uh, Jim hanging on. I don't know how. Managed to take a picture of me hanging on the post at the very roof of the tower with my body almost horizontally. Wow. The wind was blowing me away. Mm-hmm. So what if we see the photo? Yeah, he's not shitting around. He's on a post, holding onto it, and his body's wow. just being taken by the wind. It oh. clearly does not look safe. Jim oh, was shit. like, "This is really scary." Um, this was, you know, uh, the first time I realized how crazy it was up there. Yeah, you know, with that kind of condition and the height, yeah, and what we were involved in. What happens if I'm up there and I rig it and something happens? I started thinking about those well, things, and that's we, what, but that's what gives him the thrill. Of course. Maybe this dumb fuck didn't do it correctly. <laughs> it all goes into it. Is my heart is pounding. And then you can go to like a bar and be like, I'm going to do this to, my, to some whore. And she's, my, <laughs> she's my language. Uh, to some, you know, nice lady at the bar that's like, tonight could be my last night. You must spend it with me. Well, Jim gives up at this point. He says, there's no way I can rig this thing. And I can't be a part of the team that goes to the top. So man down, Jim's out. Was uh, back to the caper. Okay. It's the South Tower, okay. and it's eight ten p.m. Phil, <clears throat> we are there, uh, underneath the top of the World Trade Center, under a top. It's time we hear a noise. It was very hard to tell. Is that a cotton board flapping in the wind, or a guard coming, or a walkie-talkie? I drill a little hole with a paper clip through the top, and I enlarge this hole in the canvas, and uh, uh, with the end of a bobbin, and then uh, with the one eye, a, with the end of a what? Yeah, uh, end of a ballpoint pen. I uh, widen uh, the uh, hole. Okay. So uh, and then with one eye. Uh. I am poking out uh, uh. through the top, and I see a little bit of ambient light. Uh, going on to the figure of my watch. Right. What time is it? Is it dark outside? Oh, I hear the noise. Let's try and go out to the top. Uh-huh. Jean-Francois says his foot was up my nose and my foot was stuck between his arms. We were intertwined. I guess you could say we really got to know each other. Wait, what? They're underneath the tarp. Oh, yeah, They're yeah, like yeah. stuck to yeah, each yeah, other. Yeah. He says, I've rarely known a man that way before. Back to the North Tower. Okay, sounds like they had sex underneath that tarp. <laughs> Back to the North Tower. 
9.38 p.m. John Luis, he says, we kept hearing more and more and more. You learn a lot about a man (laughs) when you spend a week under a tarp with him. This was your father's watch. (laughs) (laughs) This watch spent approximately five years uh, up his asshole. I had nowhere to stick my fist. I had to go up his ass. I had nowhere else to put it. Okay, let's get back to Jean-Louis. He says, you know, we're hearing these signs. We can't figure out where they're coming from. But somebody... By the way, we're not making fun of gay people. We're making fun of French people. I I don't think anybody was concerned. I think that's just being begged. Yeah, that is. Um, So... (laughs) Point taken. But they hear somebody on the roof, okay? And they're like, oh, shit. Santa Claus? Okay. Somebody's working on the roof (laughs) at night. Yeah. And we're stuck. Wow. There's no chance the coup's going to go down. It's another guy doing the (laughs) tightrope walk. (laughs) Rival tightrope walk cruise. Well, Alan, you know, who's with Jean-Louis, he says, the longer we waited and the longer we hid, the less time we'd have to do what we had gone up there to do. Okay. But see, the first guy, he just, all this is happening and the guy just leaves which guy? Well, there's now two guys. There's two guys on each tower. Okay, but not one guy leaves. One guy from one of the towers. There was three originally in the south tower. That was <laughs> okay. Donald. Yeah, and, and they're he like, was like, right, bye bye. Yeah, right. And then one guy was like, I can't do this. That was Jim Moore when they were practicing when they were going on the scout. And at this point, still, and I know that you said we we're going to get into it, maybe, yeah. but at this point, still, we have not. They haven't gone into like any of the logistics of how no, to, because how they're to hiding. Do- Fuck because me. there's too many right. people around. I need to know this stuff. Let's well, go. It's going to come I know, if you're I know, patient. I know. I'm not patient. Okay, Let's well, go. L- speaking of patience, Albert says <sighs> there was tension. You have to put it like this. These guys sat there for hours and hours, okay, to make their move. Well, you can be a little bit of patient just for their, what uh, they went through. I thought you were going to hit me with some Guns N' Roses lyrics. No, no, no. Great. Just a little patience. Okay, so right, Albert's go. saying... There's tension. I thought we're both out of our element, and neither one of us should have been there. Uh, Jean-Louis says, I didn't trust this guy. He's not deeply concerned about anything. Why was he even there? Well, let's go back to Mark the Australian. He says, when I finished university, I flew to Paris, and I caught up with Philippe, and he showed me his extraordinary sort of diagram that was being constructed in New York. Now, he made a scale model of the Twin Towers. Okay, like out of matchsticks. Okay. Now he's got it. Like if you look on top, you see the the tops of the towers. Cryptic. And he's got his little ropes, you know, yeah. tied and all that stuff. Well, Bark was like the World Trade Centers. They were going to be the big one. So uh, Philippe uh. was enthusiastic about doing it. So I became the first team members. And what we did is we set up a training camp in the French countryside. Nice. Phil That's says, cool. uh, I intend on the giant meadow. It's a giant field to reproduce not two roofs at the World Trade Center. And I mean, I don't have that kind of money, but just outline for practice. No shit. You don't have that kind of money. <laughs> so. Wow. He no, sets, I don't have that kind of money. <laughs> he sets up a tightrope in the meadow. It's the exact same distance between the towers. Okay. And Ani, she's there. I mean, I don't even have a, a, a rental agent. How am I supposed to get two towers, even if I could build it? Where would I get the property on such short notice? It would take forever for it to be built. Well, they've got some hurdles. Okay. Because Sorry. somebody had mentioned to them about the elasticity of the building and the fact that the wind can cause the towers to sway. 
Right. Now, I, I've seen that happen. Yes. Because you'll be in there and the towers would move a little yes. bit and you'd see the the blind. The blind would stay straight down. Mm-hmm. And you could see that, you know. The moche. Yeah, it's really, it's weird. So Phil says, my solution, I asked my friend to make the cable dance. Okay. And here is Mark the Australian. Here is Jean-Louis and Annie. Well, Mark says... Yeah, I imagine this guy building like wind tunnels and shit, like 100 mile an hour winds, like... It's put, nothing like put that. The wind, put the fan on. Full they, blast. They put, what they did is they set up the wire in the backyard and then they would, all the people, they would just pull the wire oh, up and down. Cool. Trying to get him to knock it off. And were they successful? Oh, a few times during practice. Oh, so you have to remember, uh, to answer your question, 200 feet between the towers. So how do you get that tightrope? Between 200 those. feet. Yeah. Wow. It's a lot less than I thought. So he just goes from the smallest, shortest point to the shortest point? No. Okay. He doesn't. Okay. No. All right. So how are you going to replicate that? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Uh, yeah. How he, I guess between two, between like in a meadow. No, no. They have that. The meadow is just practice. Yeah. They still haven't figured out how to rig this. Oh, right. I mean, okay. I'm not a you gotta remember, rigger. This isn't a piece of rope. No, no, no. It's, it's a cable. Yeah, yes. it's cable. It's so steel. Anyway. And you gotta have you have to plant it with steel and do something and make it taut. Correct. There's like a, a lot of logistics involved. <laughs> right. But keep in mind, Jean-Louis says we have to find a way to throw something from building to building. Yes. Then you that can was pull my next concern. a little string and then send it back over with a heavier rope and yeah. back and forth until you have enough of a heavy enough rope yeah. that you can attach the wire to it. So you just do like fishing net or something. You're close. A so fishing, fishing, like a... You're close. Uh, fishing poles. So Philip says, at some point, I mean, I thought uh, even a little aeroplane, radio guided. And, mm, like uh, a radio, uh, radio, yeah, yeah, remote control. Jean-Louis came up That's with cool. a really silly idea. I don't even let him finish his sentence. He says, Philip, what about the bow and arrow? Yeah. So what they did is they drilled a very small hole in the end of an arrow. Right. And they attached a monofilament, which is basically fishing line, to the arrow. And then what the plan is, Jean-Louis is going to shoot it up in the air to send the arrow from building to building. Right. And then they try it, and it couldn't work. Too much air resistance? It's not that. Oh. It's the end of the, the, the spool. It just wouldn't spool. So they had to create a cone-shaped spool so the wire wouldn't you know would untangle correct cool it had to have a conical shape yeah conical yeah (laughs) so cool philip says as a child i love to climb everywhere Uh oh i let the psychiatrist decide why maybe i wanted to escape from my life maybe i wanted to see the world from a different perspective and i was explorer at heart who knows who cares but i was a little climber but nobody there you go the climbing Nobody, not my parents, not my teachers, nobody could stop me. I heard about the wire walker, described to me as a magnificent man and woman walking in thin air. And like that, but that's nothing. With my ropes, I do that. Oh shit, if only I could control it. Mm -hmm. Well, Annie says there was and always still is a little bit of a bad boy side in Philippe. Mm. He had a very strict upbringing and he would have never strayed too far down that illegal road. But he got great pleasure from taking certain liberties. He was excessive, so creative. So each day, 
It's like a work of art for him. Oh. What excited him most? Even about, walking is <laughs> art for me. I go to the supermarket. Yeah. It's like a Pentecostal. Uh-huh. So, you know, she says um, the adventure is what excited him. Aside from being a beautiful show, it was like a bank robbery. Mm. And that pleased him enormously. Gradually, things began to get more serious because a proper plan had to be worked out. And this is when Jean-Louis and Philip really got started arguing. Uh-oh. So we see in, this, in these vintage videos, they're arguing back and forth. And just about what in general? Just uh, like the, poli- the policeman, what happens with the security guards, yeah. you know. Uh, Mark's con- or uh, Mark he re-enters in because he's in this you know these vintage things too, and they're like we have to be a combination of a workman and an office man, and Jean Louis says okay so we get through the main gate however we decide to do it the trick is going to be on the top floor coming out of the elevator we have to be dressed as office workers at that point, so Annie says it was impossible to imagine them getting into the tower undetected they didn't even know how they were going to get in. Right. And right from the start, Jean-Louis felt responsible for Philippe's security because he's Phil, Philippe is the daredevil, but he's yeah. not thinking logistically. Right. So, and he's saying, you're not being realistic. And she says, I sided with Jean-Louis on this. So Phil says, uh, since long before very, Annie has been, this is in a, his uh, journal. Annie has been angling for an invitation to New York using tenderness, <laughs> okay. blackmail, threats, insults, and tears. Huh. But I need absolute detachment, complete freedom. I must be a castaway on a desert island of my dreams. Yeah, you can't get attached to anybody. Then it starts to become uh, about somebody else. But uh, not risking, oh, I must save my life. He sounds like um, De Niro's character in Heat. No attachments. Mm -hmm. Be able to walk out in 30 seconds flat. So it's May 13th, 1974. Uh, uh, Mark basically goes to New York again. But I mean, let's be real here. Let's be real. Yeah. No weapons. Uh I know, granted, maybe bow and arrow, but even Uh even though that's not happening. No weapons. These motherfuckers like get caught. Mm-hmm. Let's say they haven't even stepped foot on any ropes yet. Yep. I mean, how much time did they really get? And take a guess. Do you, but but like, you don't know. Comes out, you don't know. They might not get caught. No, I'm just saying if they even do. Uh-huh. Like I would say, they give them five. They serve three. Five year sentence. Serve three. Yeah. So for okay. some shit like that, just because of the casing, all that shit's weird. Okay. Well, if you're right. listening along right now, listeners. Yep. Are you going to take the over or under on, the, on, the, on five years? Yes. Okay. So this is May of 1974, just a few months before the incident goes down. Mark is with Philip in New York, and uh, they fly into New York above the Twin Towers, and he sees the distance. And then they land, and we find out what their angle is and how they got to get this far in the building. And at this point, they've never even mentioned anything about like wanting to ever wear parachutes or parachutes. No. Nothing. No. Not even an inkling. No. Okay. What they do. That's some fucking hack shit in the white tight world, world yes. huh? Yes. Fuck that. Buddy, they pull your card. A tell calls you a hack to your face. You can't put uh, an ankle bracelet to that wire. Nope. No parachute. Nope. So anyway, 
what they do is Philip pretends to be a French reporter and he calls the president of the World Trade Center Association. And he says, uh, Metropolis, Francais, uh, number one journal of urban planning. We are preparing a feature proposal of your workers who are presently constructing this World Trade Center in New York. Our confidential reporter, Philippe Petit, <coughs> kindly request your cooperation for this article. Well, so the tower, like the roofs are not even built yet? The roofs are, uh, are built, mm-hmm. but the, the facade isn't complete. So you, there's no way to get up there. No, you can get up there. Okay. But it's still being like the offices and like part of the facades at the top are not complete. So anyway, we're going to meet a guy named Guy. Cool. Tizzoli. And he's the president of the World Trade Center Association at the time. And he said, he called me up and told me he was a French journalist. And it was just not normal for me to say, show me your credentials, if you would. He was going to write a story about about the World Trade Center for French newspapers. And he had photographers with him. And I thought it was a pretty good idea for publicity. So um, I should have known when he walked in with a 20 foot balancing pole (laughs) and a a chalk bag. Yeah. Uh, So and some fucking ballet shoes. We see vintage Mark uh, and vintage Philip in their film interviews. Because they're pretending to be reporters. Oh. Meanwhile, they're scouting with cameras. So, you know, it's it's a pretty cool little con that they've come up with. I like it. You know, like once in a while, they'll it's be like... It's like Action Point. Yeah, but once in a while, they'll be like filming with somebody and they'll be like, so how is it up here? And then they'll just move to the camera to the part where they're <laughs> like, uh, that could be a good anchor point. <laughs> That's hilarious. Yeah. That's pretty good. So uh, anyway, Phil says, um, the towers were not... Corners facing corners. Aha, this is what I was going to ask. They were askew. Askew. Which was a problem for me to decide what to put away. I decided to attach the cabal to what I believe is the strongest beam on the top of the roof. A cabal between two buildings of a very long length is so ways. So what we devised is called a cavaletti in the circus parlance. It's actually a guy line that is perpendicular to the axis of the wire and it goes down to the ground. Even with permission, we could uh, go uh, no go a quarter mile to the ground. Plus, I needed a pair. Well, we cannot go down to the ground. So the solution was asymmetric rigging. His mm. cavaletti has two little legs, a short one and a long one. So this is what I decided was best for the situation. Oh. So you understand what he's doing? Um, it's hard to... You yeah. got a main wire, okay. okay? And then off the side of the buildings, you have these other little longer wires. That stabilize it? Yes. Cool. Two on each side. Mm-hmm. So it's May of 74 now. And Jean-Louis... And it stabilizes it from the bottom? Well, traditionally on a wire, uh-huh. they have a cavaletti in the middle that's anchored to the ground. Got it. So because they can't drop that much cable to the ground, they have to use these cavalettes on, on the, the side, sides. which is called asymmetrical rigging. Uh-huh. Okay. So it's May. I feel like you should have known that. Well. Boy Scouts. Yeah, it's not a Boy Scout thing. That's like uh, a fucking you know, engineering thing. Wow. Well, Jean-Louis says he arrived on Saturday, and the coup was due on Monday. Um, he is more... And yeah, you more. Can't be, you can't be scouting the World Trade Center and also have coup in the name of your operation, dude. That's what they did. 
Fucking bad news, dude. Well, that's, Mark, ter- that's some terrorist shit. John, John says, Jean-Louis says, the coup's not ready. And I'm frustrated. And, you know, Phil says, Jean-Louis wants to know, what have you done? What have I asked you to do? Uh, when do I say when the God? And I didn't satisfy him with my answer. So he attacks my non-preparations when actually I feel that I have uh, prepared uh, immensely. Well, Mark says the longer we're there, the longer um, it, it became clear to me it was an extremely ambitious pursuit and we just weren't ready. Right. I never doubted Philippe's talent, his prowess on the wire. It was the unforeseen things that really worried me. You know, America's a litigious society, you know? Yeah. Involuntary manslaughter, assisted suicide. I don't want to be the libel. Yeah, that's the other kind of stuff. Yeah, that's like can go along with these sentences. So I guess, so five is actually pretty light, but. Well, Jean-Louis says, you know, we could clearly see we're not ready. And everybody could see that except Philip. Um, so, you know, I said, it's May 30th. We're supposed to do the coup today. Um, do you think you can do it like that? And he said, no. He said, it's impossible. And I said, no, it's not impossible. It's possible. We're close. Nothing is impossible. And he kept repeating, we'll be back. So they go back to France to regroup. So their first attempt wow. basically failed. So, you know, Annie says, of course, she's there for support. This is all starting to sound very odd to me. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, Philip gets very depressed at this time. Yeah. And he's not giving up, but he would spend hours upon arrows watching television and only watch detective movies and bank robberies. Yeah. Stories about cops and robbers. And enter, re-enter, I should say, Barry Greenhouse, the inside man. Mm. Well, one day Gary or Barry had seen him in the lobby. It's probably when old Philip was walking around with old Crutchfoot. And Barry's kind of a hippie. They show some pictures of him back in the day. All right. And he was like, this guy doesn't belong here. And uh Phil says, uh, he, he, this is him by Barry. He says, Philippe, it's wonderful to see you. Uh, his name was Barry, and he's seen me uh, street juggling in Paris. So Barry had seen him actually in Paris wow. juggling and recognized him. Wow. And he said he started talking and telling me. This is some fucking CIA shit, dude. Uh, yeah, I don't know. We'll find out. Uh, it's not. Um, <laughs> we'll find out. It's uh, not. Uh, you know, he this said. This is why they got to make the documentary, man, so they get ahead of the story. Well, he says, I didn't know you were a wire walker, you know? And he said to me, I'm going to do the World Trade Center. Um, and he said, Philippe draws you into his world. He didn't know you're a wire walker. Like, that's, was that like a thing? No, even? I mean, he had just known him oh, as a street know. juggler. Yeah, yeah. And I want to like, know you also. Yeah, I do all the wacky shit, <laughs> stupid. <laughs> Fuck it, I do this thing with the thumb where it looks like it disappears, dummy. <laughs> I walk the wires. Let's go. Sorry. (laughs) Anyway, Barry says, look, I was in. He says, you know, um, I'm not a guy that's averse, you know, to doing illegal things, you know. So 
Yeah, he's a pussy. <laughs> no, he says I'm not a first to it. He's just yeah. like, it's barely legal is his whole point. He's like, yeah, this doesn't sound that sketchy to it's me. It's barely illegal. So <laughs> <laughs> it's barely illegal. Well, Philippe says, Barry called me and he said, Philippe, sorry to tell you, but the security around the World Trade Center has changed. And now we are forced to carry an ID. But mm -hmm. I happen to have a fresh one unsealed in an envelope for you. It won't be too much trouble for me to abandon it in your hands for a few hours. I'm just, I'm just thinking, cut to 9-11. Well, they should. <laughs> it's not Muhammad at the wheel, it's Philippe no, Philippe's just it's like, that day my dreams were crushed, finally, literally. Well, they... <clears throat> and then he, he goes on a spree of killing Islamists, well, extremists. They basically recreate Barry's ID, and these things are spot on. Which one's Barry again? Explain. Which Barry, Barry was their inside man okay, on that's floor right, that's 82. Right, that's right, that's right, that's right. Okay. Are you ready for a re-entrance of David, a.k.a. Donald? Donald, David. Yeah, he's the guy that bailed at the mm -hmm. 11th hour in the tower with Philippe and Jean-Francois. Yeah. So Jean-Louis says, one day he called me and said, I found two or three American guys. They're crazy, they're great, and they're ready to help. So I met two American young men, Donald and Chester. Jesus well, Christ. David Donald, Aiken. Donald, David, Chester. We're not Philippe, even don't worry about Luis, Chester. Philippe, Jesus Christ. David, aka Donald says Chester. Okay. We met with Petit, and I had a friend named Alan Wellner. Well, that's Alan, aka Albert, who's <laughs> with Jean-Louis in the, <laughs> Jean the North. AKA Jean-Louis. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I know. So <laughs> he went to high school with him and he said, I'm always up for an adventure. So uh, he said, I thought Petit was, you know, also a quality guy. Well, let's re-enter Albert, a.k.a. Allen. Uh, Phil describes him as certainly smart, certainly aware of himself <laughs> and knowing his limitations, Fucking. the ideal accomplice. So they get these guys fake IDs. Well, Alan says he was pitching it. All right, yeah. He was presenting it. Now we're adding, we're tacking more years on. He was desperately sort of proposing it in a way that you would, you know, sell somebody a timeshare or something. Yeah, Vegas is saying, <laughs> Vegas is moving the lines on you guys, buddy. He said, I we're knew. over under eight now. He says, I knew he was a nut or a con man or something, but he seemed harmless. So I didn't really take it seriously at this point. Well, Philip says, I need to practice a little a bit on the wire, and I need uh, mostly to show my two, three American friends how to hook a cable, how to help Jean-Louis. Yeah. So David says, the cable. so they all this, go to France. This is 70s hooking cables. Yeah. Well, This they, is where you're doing it with like those, you do like, you get the clamp, you got to screw it, yeah, double clamp. Yeah. It's got to gotta have the piece and it's got to be tight. <laughs> it's got to have the piece. Yeah, dude. It's got to have the piece. Actually, they don't fly, fly to France. I made that assumption watching it. I think what they did is Imagine just... Imagine flying to France coach with this motherfucker. <laughs> smelly fucking... He's got a rooster on and him. his leather slippers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway. Um, they take go out to the wilderness somewhere. And Donald says, I saw him on the cable. And I never in my life seen concentration like that. And I've still never seen it to this day. And his face became this ageless mask of concentration. He became like a sphinx. Yeah. It was amazing. That's crazy. Albert agrees. See, that's like a thing. That's like a that's like a meditation. That's like a, a an autistic. Well, Albert trait. Albert agrees, and he said he did it beautifully and calmly. He did it just, in fact, literally with his eyes closed. It was just what he does. 
everything he told me was true. Now, Dave, I bet you've been wondering for a good 30, 40 minutes, how does tight walk, walk, walking rope? How does <laughs> tight rope walking, tight rope walking work? Rope. Tight well, rope walking rope, the logistics of correct. the rope. So if you I don't like mind, thank you. Let's start with tight rope walking. It is also <laughs> it started in the 1500s. You're close. Also referred to as funambulism. Mm. Funambulism. 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 Is funambulism. The, funambulism. Funambulism. Is the skill of Funambul walking. Funambulism. I like funambulism. Is the skill of walking along a thin wire or rope. Cool. Long traditions in various countries and is commonly associated with the circus. Yes. Other skills similar to tight rope walking, but not Juggling, to be confused. No, 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 the no. The thing with the thumb. No. <laughs> <laughs> slack rope walking. Okay. Slack lining. Yeah. Well, it's been around since 1688. Slack jawing. According to an Armenian manuscript. No kidding. So we know it goes back that far. Wow. Most likely way further back. Give down. it up to the Armos. Tight wire is the skill of maintaining balance while walking along a tension wire. So this is applicable between two points. Attention wire, attention. <laughs> it can, can be done either using a balancing tool, like an umbrella, a fan, or a pole, which is what Philippe does. He's a pole guy. He's a pole guy? Yep. Poles, I think, is the... Is the no, I know what it is, <laughs> but I think it's... Uh, if you were to ask, I think the pole is the way to go. Yes. Well, you can also do what they call freehand, using only one's body <laughs> oh, to yeah. maintain balance. Oh, yeah. Freehand that shit. Now, typically, tight wire performances include dance or object manipulation. Mm. Object manipulation acts include a variety of props, such as clubs, rings, hats, or canes. Okay. Tight wire performers have even used wheelbarrows with passengers that you don't finger bang. <laughs> ladders <laughs> and animals in their act the technique to maintain balance is to keep the performer's center of mass above their support point which is their feet right so um let's talk about the biomechanics yeah this guy's feet is like a soccer player's feet well let's just talk about the biomechanics of this acrobats maintain their balance by positioning their center of mass directly over their base support, which I just mentioned, i.e. shifting most of their weight over their legs, arms, or whatever part of their body that are currently being used to hold them up. Right. When they're on the ground with their feet side by side, the base of support is wide in the lateral direction, but narrow in the sagittal. Back to front. The fuck you call me, dude? Sagittal. <laughs> you sagittal rapist? In the... <laughs> In the, case of, <laughs> in the case of high wire walkers, their feet are parallel with each other, one foot positioned in front of the other yeah. while they're on the wire. Uh -huh. Therefore, a tight wire walker's sway is side to side. Right. It's not the, forward and back because that's more difficult. Their lateral support having been dra drastically reduced. In both cases, whether side by side or parallel, the ankle is the pivot point. A wire walker may use the pole for balance or may stretch out his arms perpendicular to his trunk like mimicking a pole. Right. This technique provides several advantages. 
It distributes mass away from the pivot point, mm -hmm. thereby increasing the moment of inertia. Mm -hmm. This reduces angular acceleration. So a greater torque is required to rotate the performer over the wire. The result is less tipping. In addition, the performer can also correct sway by rotating the pole. This will create an equal and opposite torque on the body. Now, tight walk and tight wire walkers typically perform in a very thin and flexible leather sole slipper with a full-length suede or leather sole protect the feet from abrasions and bruises. Mm -hmm. Okay? They're still, they're able it's malleable, this That's shoe. kind of grip, so grip, they can, grippable. So they, they can still use their toes yeah. to you know, curve around the wire. Mm -hmm. So uh, although infrequent in performance, amateur, hobbyist, or inexperienced funambulists will often mm -hmm. walk barefoot right? so that the wire can be grasped between the big toe and the second toe. This is more done commonly when using a rope. Okay, are you ready to hear of some famous tightrope artists? Oh boy, let's hear their stupid names. No, these are some very big names. Oh, it's going to be like David Copperfield and shit. No, no, no. <laughs> All the great magicians of the day. All right, let's go. Maria Spelterini okay. crossed Niagara Falls on July 4th, 1876. Sick. That was a really big deal. Sick. Uh, How far? I don't know. Okay, sorry. They don't give me that information. It's like 13 feet. Um. <laughs> <laughs> He's like 12 feet or something. I got Have you ever heard of Con Colliano, the Australian, the Wizard of the Wire? Yeah, dude. One of my favorites. Okay. What about Jay Cochran? Yep. Canadian. Mm -hmm. Set multiple records for skywalking, including the Great China Skywalk in Kwatong Gorge, China. Uh -huh. 639 meters long, which is 2,100 feet. That's far. 410 meters high. That's high. Uh-huh. From one cliff wall to the opposite side above the Yangtze River. The longest blindfolded skywalk, 800 foot, um, 300 foot high in 1988 between the towers of the Flamingo Hilton in Las Vegas wow. and broadcast on Fox's network, Guinness World Records Prime Time. What year? That was 1999. Mm-hmm. I vaguely remember that. Yep. I, holy crap, I do remember that. Was it a good one? I do remember that. Well, he did it. I totally remember that. Holy well, shit. Um, that was around the same time the the Robbie Knievel shit was going on. Probably, and of course, you know uh, Pablo uh, Funk. Funk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nineteenth century British tightrope walker and rope dancer, among other talents. Although best known as the first black circus owner in Britain, and for his mention in the Beatles song "Being for the Benefit of Mr. Kite." What album was that on? Don't know. But I think it's track seven on Sgt. Pepper's. Not a big, uh, not a big uh, Beatles guy. Okay, well, let's move on. The great Farini, everybody's heard of him, a.k.a. Willie Hunt. Great guy, never met him. <laughs> Crossed Niagara Falls many times. Um, this one you have to know. Uh, Feral Hedig, American Highway Walker, started <laughs> as a Walenda huh? team member. Huh? Uh, once held a record for steepest incline for a wire walk, which uh -uh. he completed in 81. That's a no? Uh-uh. Okay. I remember the Vegas dude. Okay. You remember the Vegas dude? I feel like the others weren't even in my lifetime. 
Okay. What about um, Jade Kindler Martin and uh, Didier Pasquit? Oh, I bought I bought their balancing shit. No, I don't remember. Well, they were an American. Imagine French. these guys have like balancing merch. <laughs> oh, buy my wire grippers or whatever. <laughs> buy my gay little shoes. Well, this was an American French high wire duo, most notable for the record uh, setting Skywalk over the Bridge, uh, River Thames in London. Mm hmm. Um, well, surely you know of Henri Lestrange. <laughs> Lestrange, you mean? Yeah, Lestrange. Of course. 19th century Australian. Yeah, man. Who was the first person to tie rope a, a walk kangaroo, across a what? A kangaroo. No, uh, Sydney Harbor. Oh. And he was also an early balloonist. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Yeah. Can I, can I guess the different things that a balloonist can be? Yeah, a I balloonist, guess. Okay, first it can be someone who makes balloon animals. Uh-huh. Another one is a balloon person, like a balloon pilot. Uh-huh. And another one is someone who literally makes balloons. You're forgetting about the hot air balloons. That's what I'm talking about. The yeah, balloon, yeah, yeah. balloon pilot. Yeah. Hot air balloon pilot. Uh-huh. That's a balloonist? Yeah. Okay, carry on. Okay. Well, surely you remember Rudy Oman, uh, Omankowski Jr. Surely these this list is just... Seems like it's dropping off pretty hard is what I'm trying to think after the Vegas guy. It's dropping off pretty hard. Okay. Well, everybody knows Susanna Bocoina. We got a chick at least. Susanna Bocoina. she got big tits. No. In fact, she was Hungarian. How do you know she doesn't have big tits? Because you're waiting until you find out. Wow. She was a circus performer who was listed in Guinness World Records as the longest living dwarf. Whoa. Guess how many years? She made it. <laughs> okay. This is awesome. Yeah. She was a tightrope walker. Yeah. Dwarf. Yeah. And <laughs> I got to see this stuff. Hold on. How long did she make Oldest it? Oldest living dwarf okay. on okay. record. Okay. Yeah. 67 years old. 105 years old. Get the fuck <laughs> out of here. Yep. 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 Isn't that crazy? Wow. Do they just like. Yeah, man. How did they bury her in like a little? She was. Uh, I did look at her. She is an American, Obviously and I know she's coffin. she's buried back east somewhere. Yeah, which are kind of baby coffins are cute. Yeah, kind of cute. Uh, by the way, Philip Petit did make this list, uh, but for not the reasons you think. Of course, everybody knows Eskil Ronning Ronning Bakken. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, he was a Norwegian balancing artist whose feats included tightroping. He had six toes. No, what he did is he would tightrope between two hot air balloons in Ooh. flight. Yeah. Sick. Actually, wasn't there a guy who did it between planes? I don't know. Okay. I don't see it on here. Okay. Well, of course, everybody, and I'm not joking Maybe it's just here. the balloons. Everybody knows Sick. the flying uh, Willendis. Uh, no? Uh Dude, yeah. famous for their seven and eight person pyramid wire walks. Wow, I do remember those. Yes. I've seen pictures. Well, I was actually like, that was kind of fake, though. No, Carl Walenda was the founder of the Flying Walendas. Wow, history, dog. Well, he died after falling yeah. from a wire uh, at the age of 73. No. While attempting to cross between the two towers of the Coronado Plaza Hotel in San Juan, Puerto Rico. We lost one this year, boys. Yeah, he went down. Um, Unhinged. What, what do you? You don't pour it out for them. What do you do for uh, the wire for a wire boys? walker? For a wire walker, what do you do? I think you just roll up a, a French cigarette. No, you know what you do? What you do? You take out your crystal ball of deodorant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you just throw it on the ground. You take your shoes off for something. Someone with the shoes. All right. Uh, okay. Um, well, everybody knows Maurizio Zavada. 
Jesus, how long is your list here? Zamiris, what was his last name? Zavada. I remember him vaguely. Yeah, holder of the highest tightrope walk ever mm-hmm. while blindfolded. Yeah, I remember this. What year was that? November 16th. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, excuse me. <laughs> November 2016 in Wulong, China. No, I don't remember that. Yep. <laughs> Actually, I should have because it was in my lifetime. Well, that that's... Uh, this This is... Dude, if you don't remember this, mm-hmm. you're just not a sportsman right. or a fan. Uh, Adelie Wuxer, Chinese. What if I said uh, bird's nest? Would that give you a clue? That sounds like Olympic shit. Correct. In 2010, he lived on a wire for 60 days at Beijing's uh, bird nest stadium. Dude, what, are they, what, what was the punishment for? <laughs> <laughs> well, we've talked about this on this show with like marathon pole sitting and stuff. Yeah. This guy's on a wire for 60 yeah. days. Yeah. How do you sleep on a wire? How do you jerk off? Yeah, that's in front of easy. everybody. We we actually talked about that. You fucking blow a load and so okay, okay. Um, so that handles the tightrope stuff. There is, however, slack wire, slack rope, um, slack lining, um, a couple other things, uh, urban lining. Which obviously sounds exactly what it is. <laughs> oh, uh, okay. There's trick lining. Is, is it urban lining where you hang your clothes? Yep. <laughs> There's there's highlining. That's when you go between mountains. Sick highlining, like Highlander. Not to be outdone, there is slackline yoga. Whoa! So you get on a road. That seems like that would be some hardcore core. Well, you only do it like a couple inches off the ground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's like some core engaging exercise. Well, that concludes our Simpsons episode. Uh, Except for rodeo slacklining. You bring me back in. There is rodeo slacklining, uh-huh. which is the art and practice of cultivating balance on a piece of Sick. rope or webbing draped slack between two anchor points uh, off the ground. Uh, it's a very slack slack line. It literally says slack. It's a very it slack, says this, a ve- slack slack line like uh, to provide extra slack to provide a wide <laughs> array of opportunities for both swinging yeah. and static maneuvers. Yeah. A rodeo line has no tension in it. No tension. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's just slack. Yep. It's hanging. And um, I yeah, can oh wait, there is one other thing. There's more. Oh wait, there's more. The highest slack line of all time was a thousand meters in the air. And this was performed by Christian Schwau on August third, two thousand six in Norway. Whoa. So think about that. Thirty two hundred feet up in the air. That's fucking wow. nuts. Okay, uh, go ahead and take me out. All right. Thank you, Chris. You're very welcome. All right, let's get back to Annie. Mm-hmm. Well, Annie says she was extremely worried. The team included people who were completely unreliable, she says. I don't remember how we fixed the date, but it ended up being August 7th. Well, Jean-Francois says Jean-Louis reminded me about Notre Dame. And said it would be the same thing, basically. The same adventure, but instead it'll be in New York. It'll be the World Trade Centers. All right. He didn't tell me much more. He just said, do you want to come along or not? Well, Philip says, Jean-Louis arrives, and I go and pick him up from the air support. Uh, he's with uh, Jean-Francois, whom, uh, of course, I remember. He's an adorable little Parisian, and he's all smiles. He doesn't have any questions. He will just follow. He is here to help. Mm-hmm. Well, Jean-Francois says, when we got to New York at one point... We went past the Empire State Building and I looked up and I saw the height and I was horrified. Wow. My legs are shaking. Yeah. I'm terrified. 
And then I realized, well, the World Trade Center is even higher. I'm trying to keep this all into myself. Right. Now, at this point in the film, no. there is a major musical interlude. Okay. Now, remember uh, David, a.k.a. Donald, who just yes. bailed? Yes. For some reason, he starts he playing. He brought in another Donald and Chester? He, they show him playing a piano in the present day. Okay. Give me a little of that music where I sing. When I was a boy, I dreamed of Philip Marlowe. He gave me his fedora, gave me shotgun fever. And you're just like, what is this guy? This old man? Hey, hey, um, uh, I know you guys are going to do a documentary on me, but um, uh, I've been working on this piece. Do you think maybe I could just do it? We just incorporate it somehow into the... Just throw it in the middle? Just throw it in the middle. Oh, and by the way, I'm the guy that pushed out? Look, you don't have to pay me. Just <laughs> let me get this in there. So the lyrics were, in case you didn't hear them, when I was a boy, I dreamed of Philip Marlowe. He gave me his fedora, gave me shotgun fever. And you're just like, why is this in the movie? <laughs> so he sounds like Randy Newman a little bit. Anyway, Jean-Louis comes back and the tension rises enormously. Annie describes it as unbearable. And she said it was a team problem. And Jean-Louis, he says, when I first met these two guys, one was a musician. That's fucking Donald singing about fedoras and shit. Okay. Uh, the other was a carpenter. And they were losers. Yeah. I mean, I'm sorry, but I thought, these guys are losers. Yeah. They're, they're glorified cosplayers. <laughs> Annie says, the very night before the coup, they arrived at the apartment in a... Wait, hold on. Real very quickly. Yeah. The... Where does this French guy get his money from? And, and, and I've been trying to figure that out the whole time. And but and I understand. Yeah, that you know doesn't this, all this doesn't necessarily cost. Dude, going on a helicopter. Much. You but know, they're doing things. Yeah. Here's the thing: they never explain in it, and mm. it drove me crazy. CIA. Which tell no FBI. French FBI. French Foreign Legion. French Foreign No, maybe the, maybe it's French <laughs> it's the underground secret, bro secret ops bullshit. Yeah. And they're just like, no, 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 we have to cover it up. Make a documentary so it doesn't look like we were doing some Five Eyes bullshit. All right, go on. Okay. Anyway, Annie says the night Donald shows up, he's stoned out of his head. Yeah. He's completely gone. Lost in a haze of smoke. On what? And on weed? Yeah. Lame. On Mary Jane. And Jean-Louis, he was dismayed. And so was Philip. And Donald says, okay, it was like I probably had been smoking pot. Yeah, likely as hell. I smoke pot every day for 35 years. He's like you, except you got another eight years to go to catch that record. Mm -hmm. And he says, there's no reason to think I didn't smoke that day. Um, so Phil says, when Jean-Louis met Albert, he was uh, a little intuition. I could read it in Jean-Louis' face. He does not trust Albert. So Jean-Louis says, you know, when you get that feeling with people, sometimes it's wrong, but you can't help it anyway. Right. Well, Albert says we shook hands. I said hello. They didn't speak English. I spoke zero French. So there's not a whole lot to say. Just, hey, nice to meet you. Yeah. Good luck. Let's go do this. Okay. Tie the thing <laughs> around the rope. No, no, no. It goes in the hole. Lefty, loosey, <laughs> righty, tidy. Ah, these fucking pieces. Okay, go on. All right. So let's get back to the caper. It's 11.08 p.m., August 6th. Now back to Philip. And so now they're like... You're going to hear. 
They're like, are they like a year behind or are they like no, four months behind? We're back to the actual night of the caper. I know, but I'm saying they were supposed to originally do it in May. Oh, or they're something. like years behind. They oh, okay. went multiple oh, trips okay, and shit. Okay, okay, okay. Okay. But it's eight, it's eleven oh eight PM. So these fuckers are still under the tarp. Okay. What? Oh, because it's like going back. Yes. Okay. Philip says, When I felt the floor finally was silent and the darkness was there, I venture out. Imagine staying three hours on a beam. You cannot walk. You need re-education. A normal human being staying completely on moving on a beam for three hours cannot walk. And Jean-Louis, he's in the other tower. He says, after a while, I said, we can't wait anymore. So I told Albert, you know what? You go. Because if I go, if I'm caught, there's no way we can do the rigging. Do they have like walkie-talkies and shit? Not yet. Okay. Because so I, that, okay, so at this point, yeah. what's the plan to get on top of the roof and rig this fucker? So and there's just, a wire for Philip to walk. And on. how do they know the other team is being caught with something? They don't. So then, that's why the beauty? Of why it. don't? Why is he hesitant to go and? Because be of the security to, guards. Oh, they He's, all they are just also have security guards. They both like do. at the same time, yes. roughly. Oh, got it. You feeling it now? I'm feeling it. Okay. Got it. So anyway, he goes on top of the roof, okay, and comes back down five minutes later. So Albert, and this is the most current. This is the most current time right now. Yeah, this okay. is this is Jean. Current day. This is Jean Louis okay. and Albert. Like you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So Albert says, "I'm sure I just said okay. Let's go get this thing done." Well, Jean Louis says, "He said great. We don't know where this noise is coming from, but let's just go." Let's check back in on Phil and Jean-Francois. Well, Philip says, they're jerking each other off underneath the tarp. It's getting, it's creating warmth because it's trying to get really cold up there. And right, now right, we have moved and we are free from the tarp. And we go for the most important equipment. I mean, a wire walker needs a cable to walk on. <laughs> now, we are walking toward a tiny little construction staircase, very narrow. And he's in the front, and I am in the back, and the wire is in between us. I see a nightmare, a policeman. And the policeman has his eyes open, and he's looking at me. Well, Mark says there was someone there that we hadn't expected sitting at the desk with a little light. And Phil says, I decide to hold him. But hold on, he is pushing me. The same way I am holding him, the same way he is pushing me. What is happening? There is no way I can get Jean-Francois to turn around. So now we play this game. Let's follow. We were very silent because we did not have shoes on. We arrive at the top. I whispered, did you see the guard? He said, of course I saw the guard. And I was trying to alert you by pushing you. But why did you resist? I said, I was trying to resist to have you to turn around. They make right. it to the top. Okay, well, Jean-Francois says it's completely empty up there. It's solitude. You can see the Statue of Liberty. You can see the UN building. Everything's so tiny, and we were alive, and we were kings. Well, Philip says, the most beautiful moment is when I see a ship, uh, actually to silhouette of the other tower. I recognize immediately in the darkness, it is the silhouette of Jean-Louis and the silhouette of Albert de Medit. Well, Jean-Louis says, I see him on the roof. I'm thrilled. I'm happy. 
and the impression I got remembering that all that time you go on the roof, it's dark there, and there's this red light for the planes, you know, that's turning. And it's like a metronome giving you an idea of time going by. There was a peace, an immensity, and I, in the middle of the manis, I suddenly had hope and joy. So I put like a bat, actually, I put Jean-Francois upside down in a little staircase opening, just his head swinging. So imagine what the God must have seen had he awoken. Is he feel uh, yeah. Jean, Jean, Jean Francois oh, yeah. upside down yeah. like a bat? Yeah. He would have okay. seen a human being's head looking at him upside down. Oh, God. So Jean Louis says the first thing I did is I prepared my bow, I prepare the arrow, and prepare the fishing. Mission line impossible. And wait for them. So there was a signal for Jean Louis to say, I am ready to shoot. And there was a signal for me to say, I saw your signal. I am ready. And I'm going to count to 10 and then he will shoot. But there was no signal for I am not ready. I hadn't thought of that. And I am not ready. <laughs> so finally, Jean-Louis says he gets the signal. And Philip says, I am ready. And Jean-Louis, he says he's been waiting for so long because they got to the roof before that as soon as he gets the signal, he instinctively takes the bow, he aims it, and he aims it right at Phil, and then it's airborne. And John Louis says he was almost at the edge of the building, waiting for it. Well, Philip says, oh. I go hunting for the arrow. Nothing. At the first show, I take off all of my clothes. All of my clothes. I am naked. And I will feel this way the line on my naked skin. With a defeated heart, I climb down to the edge and I feel a dancing fishing line caressing my thigh. God. <laughs> the arrow was actually balancing precariously on the very edge of the corner of the building. A little, a little blow and it would have disappeared. Little gust from the gods? Yes. The first thing yes. we did... After a few cortinas. I don't know if you're going to be able to get out of this. After a few cortinas. Uh -huh. You're supposed to say, what's a cortina? Yeah, what's a cortina? <laughs> a cortina. <laughs> a few little ropes. They get bigger and bigger as we pass them uh -huh, back and forth uh -huh, between. Uh -huh. Was to bring a bella bag. And the bella bag was carrying the very important item for communication. Mm -hmm. The interphone. Ah. So ah. it's a little tiny the way, intercom. The, oh, the intercom, yes. Yeah. And we hear... Uh, Philip's voice on the other end and Albert says that was a very important moment. Now right. we're, we're, we can actually communicate. Uh, the God leaves Jean-Francois hardly can talk. His head has been upside down this entire time for so long. But we go back, we rush, wow. we get our shoes and now we bring the equipment like a mad people. And I put a little trap in the staircase. And that will be like an alarm clock. Oh, somebody's going through your roof. Now the trap, mind you, on the door mm -hmm. is just a beer bottle. Oh, great. Empty beer bottle. So that's his backup. Yeah, line. they'll like hear that. The movie conspiracy theory. Oh, okay. With Mel Gibson. Hey, if it worked. Puts a yeah, puts a bottle and if it falls on the floor. Well, John Louis says by that time, everything was perfect. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was not even midnight. It was normal rigging. 
That means within three hours, everything would have been perfect. Now we're ready to pull the wire. Mm. Philip has a wire ready. The nylon rope is in our hand. We are ready. At some point, I give probably too much cable. Oh, no. <gasps> yes. And all of a sudden, Jean-Louis says, I see the wire going down, a tremendous noise. And I thought, what is going on? Well, the wire drops all the way down. Wow. Yes. All the way down. <laughs> it's gone. It's, it's, it's attached yeah, yeah. to the top, but it's hanging wow. over. Wow, man. So what do they have to do? They have to pull over 100 meters of this wire rope up. And Albert says, it took forever. We don't, I mean, like, we worked hard and it was just endless. Uh, he says, Jean-Louis says, after a half hour, I thought it was impossible. We're going to be in big trouble. So we got another problem. Remember Philippe's uh, surprise mm -hmm. uh, conspiracy theory? Yes. They hear the bottle break. <gasps> Someone's coming to no. the roof. Yes. Wow. Yes. Jean-Francois, he is, and he immediately hides. And I see him. He is like a dead animal. As a child, have you ever played uh, hide and seek in a park <laughs> and taken refuge behind a huge uh, tree trunk? And a policeman comes through the roof, and then you're... Uh, oh, wait, that's not hide-and-seek. <laughs> that's running from the cops. Yes, And a yes. policeman comes... <laughs> and then your companion comes, circles the drunk. He walks, you walk, he stops, you stop. The man starts turning around this obstacle in the center of my tower, and I turn around, and I am diametrically opposed. This little pad de uh, could go on forever, mm -hmm. possibly, until one of you turn around and you bump into each other in the back. Right. But this is exactly what happened. He turns, I turn, he stop, I stop, I go, he goes on. Now, of course, if he would have turned around, oops, hide and seek. Hide and seek. That's pretty funny. That's so, pretty good. Take a deep breath because, of course, they didn't get caught. It's 4.48 a.m., August 7th. Jean-Louis says, Albert's starting to give up. He's starting to argue. He says, I don't want to do this anymore. It's not possible. We're not going to do it. Well, Alan... He says, it was clear we weren't going to get the job done, but there was no arguing with him. There wasn't oh, any way around it. It was useless. He was just going to go ahead regardless. It's impossible, impossible that they, he thought we're going to be able to rig this thing before daylight. Well, Jean-Louis says, imagine being after these months of preparation, these months of all of that, and finally being on the roof and having to stop because of the wire like that. Well, Albert says, at dawn, I assumed, well, the jig's up. You know, we did the best we can do, but we got to get out of here. Because the sun's up. They're going to get yeah. spotted by somebody. And he says, <clears throat> she remembers the streets were completely deserted. She got a taxi, and she waited with the others down below. And other members of the team joined her, and our eyes absolutely were glued to the towers. I was looking out for the slightest movement, but we couldn't see a thing. It was terrifying. Donald, he's down there because he pushed out, but he's hanging out. He says it was a misty day, and it wasn't windless either. And then Barry, he's, he's down there, and he said you could see when the cable was up there, it looked very slack. And Jean-Louis says, I pulled like crazy, like crazy, and finally I got the wire. For some reason, that last meter was the one that came the easiest. Despite the abandon of his co-accomplice, Jean-Louis, 
has his last communication. Almost, Philippe, I did it. I did it. I got two clamps. We did it. The Cabo is uncut. Mm. We got a problem, though. Oh. Jim Moore, he's down there, too, uh-huh. with Annie. Uh-huh. And he says, all of a sudden, we see this black spot falling from the towers. Black spot? Yep. We had no idea what it was. Whoa. And I'm like, oh, my God, what is that? Well, what happened is one of the security guards went up there and he fell off the roof. No. I was joking. You're right. That didn't oh, happen. Fuck. <laughs> so what happened was, yeah. I got to get to once an episode. Yeah. It was a shirt. It fell it was off a, again. Though. It was a big shirt <laughs> that fell off. That's hilarious. So. Oh. um, Big shirt. Yeah. Barry says, you know, I saw this thing falling down and I thought that's it. He's, he's coming down. He went straight down on the first step. He thought yeah. he was falling down. So I wonder of course, if they could hurt somebody if it fell. A shirt? Uh, nah. nah, I don't think so. Or a sweater? Yeah, He'd I don't probably think so. probably hit the top. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, uh, Jean-Louis says, on the top of the roof, Philip's roof, there was a big wheel, okay, for the machines. Well, that's for the elevator, so you know the elevator's moving. Right. And Philip's says, I scream, La Rue! La Rue to Jean-Francois, the wheel, the wheel. Mm-hmm. Because I see the giant wheel oh, starting in motion. And I know my fate has been written now. Time is no longer smiling at me. Oh, no. Even though it could be for anything, for any floor. It's something. Yeah. Well, at that time, Jean-Louis is really worried. And he says, that's when I got scared. I'm like, I, I'm exhausted. He's got to just be worse. And this is when he's getting ready to start his wire walk. So Phil says, and I had to make a decision of shifting my weight from one foot ankle to the building to the foot ankle to the wire. This is probably, I don't know, probably the end of my life to step onto that wire. And on the other hand, something that I could not resist. And I didn't make it any effort to resist I was called upon to the cable, and death is very close. Mm. We see the next shot, and he steps onto the wire. Now, he's dressed in a full black onesie, right? but it's weird. He's got bell bottoms. And I'm thinking, dude, if I'm doing this, I'm doing it in the knee highs. I don't want my foot, my heel getting caught on the bottom of anything. I wonder if there's a reason for that. I don't know. But it's dangerously close. I mean, who knows? Uh, Phil says, I start walking as a wild walker who is studying his cabal. It's to be able to tell how much wind wind is flapping like a yeah. flag. Instead of doing an entire study of the whole length, seeing the first cavalry and keep walking, seeing the middle, which is so sort and treacherous, Seeing the second cavaletti. So he's off, he's is. walking. No, yes. Oh, yeah. I do not do the first cavaletti. And I know enough. I know enough. Now I am going to perform. So well, he's off. He's off. And wow. we see these close up pictures. And it's daytime or nighttime? It's like 5 a.m. It's just dawn. Whoa. And it's a misty morning. And do we know how long it's supposed to take yet, roughly? Does he know? He's going to go. They don't say roughly how long it takes? Like the entire walk? Yeah. Oh, you'll get there. Okay. So they have these stunning close-up stills. Oh, shit. So Jean-Louis must have taken some on one side, and then either Mark and um, Jean-Francois on the other side. Sick. There is something I noticed. 
Mark just reappears in one of these lines like he was at the top, but they don't discuss him in the thing. So I mm-hmm. guess he was up there, but they only gave him that one line towards the he end. He shows like up at the up, end yeah. with coffee and donuts. What happened, guys? <laughs> hey, well, hey, I don't want to do any of this shit, but I <laughs> wanted to see it. Yeah, what happened? Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> so yeah. Jean-Louis says, I saw his face changing. He was very tense. And all of a sudden there was something in it, like a relief in him. And from that time, I thought that's it. He's secure. It's good. And what he can't finish his sentence. This is some 20, 35 years later, and he's breaking down. Yeah. And, you know, you're watching this, and I have to admit, I got goosebumps and I'm getting chills. Annie does the same thing. She's crying, and they're just in tears recalling this extraordinary event. She says, I saw Philippe, I saw him. It was extraordinary. It was so beautiful. It was like he was walking on a cloud. And there were such amazing moments. He laid down on the wire. We were thrilled by this image of Philip lying down up above. And another very powerful moment was when... He lives on that wire, doggy. He knelt down. There was a moment where he knelt down and saluted. And I cried, look, look. That's crazy. And they said, what is it? What do you see? And I said, it's a wire walker. He's walking right now. I sat down in a wire on one crossing, and I did something amongst people. I actually looked all the way down to look at something that I will never in my life see again. So I can tell you, probably it's a lie, but to me it's not. I heard the crowd. I heard the crowd. I heard the murmur. Well, Jim's down there, and he says, beside buying beyond anything you could ever imagine. It was mind-boggling, the awe of the event. The overwhelming largeness of the scale of the situation took my mind to a place where I really wasn't that concerned about him. It was just magical. It was just so profound. Well, bad news. (gasps) This is such a cool shot. We hear the sounds of the sirens of... The, the fuzz and they're on their way to break it up mm. and then you see philip on a wire on a still photo and then they zoom out and you see two cops just standing there on the ledges well that's okay yeah so he he's popped that's fine yeah so they're about 20 feet away from him but just, as long as you get popped finishing the thing that's okay. Then it's worth it because you did the thing and you got the pictures for the thing. Well, we see that's an iconic shot. Now we I got to see, see picture. I've, I've never it's seen so this. cool. I, I might have I might have seen some of this before because it sounds vaguely, but I, I'd like to see it now. Well, we see in a vintage interview, we're we're introduced to Sergeant Charles Daniels of the Port Authority Police, and he's like Officer Myers, and I observed the, uh, I mean, tightrope dancer. You know, he's like this fucking he's like because you couldn't call him a waka approximately halfway between the two towers and upon seeing us he started to smile and laugh they do not know how to react to a daydreaming waka lying down and dialoguing with a seagull so they were really mad well philip didn't provoke them naturally or he did provoke them says jean francois because that's his character he starts walking to the police and they're trying to grab him, and then he goes back. So he's playing, he's playing with them. <laughs> and Officer Daniel says, we got to the building, we asked him to get off the highway. But instead, 
He turned around and ran back into the middle. Everybody was spellbound in the watching of it. We, we observed to the fact that he wasn't about to come in because he seemed to be enjoying himself so much. We mentioned to the fact to his associate that if he did not come down at this point, we would have a helicopter pluck him up off the wire. <laughs> yeah. This time his associate spoke to him in French, being that he's a Frenchman. Yeah. <laughs> a fucking Frenchman. <laughs> I love the cop. Yeah. So he says, uh, yeah, Phil says, every minute you're up there is another year. Philippe says, Philippe, you know, and he said the police are going to dislodge you and you should stop. And I was, I was, I was madly enraged by that, but also it saved my life. So next we hear the sound of a man reporting above on a helicopter. And he's like, there's somebody out there on a tightrope walk between the two towers of the World Trade Centers right at the tippy top. And then Daniels, he's back. He says, personally figured I was watching something uh, that someone else would never see in the world. Uh, I thought it was a once in a lifetime thing. So yeah. Philip said, I had no reason to stay on the wire that anymore. And also I felt uh, humidity in the air and the wind growing. My friends later told me, you spent 45 minutes. You know, you did eight crossings. They grabbed me, they grounded me, and coughed actually behind my back. I was thrown down the staircase, the most dangerous part of the whole adventure. I almost broke my head on a narrow staircase that led to the elevator. Yeah. So. If I roughed them up. No cameras in here. Cop on the street. He's like, we got it from the Port Authority that they took up about three days to rig it. Uh, I'd say it's worth $1,000 in that cable. <laughs> And it's and the rigging magnificent the way they did this. So he's already they've already you know made the cops. So the reporters start getting to him, and they're like, "Did he say why he did it?" And the cops are like, "No." So they get Philippe down and they put him in the back of the car and they're swarming him and they're like, "Why'd you do it?" And he's not answering. And then he gets hauled off to the local precinct and they book him and fingerprint him. They also pop Jean Francois and. Philip answers this question. He says, you know, why, why? I, I, there was a very, again, in my way of saying America, a very America uh, finger-snapping question. I did something magnificent and mysterious, and I got, why? And the beauty of it is not that I, I didn't have any why. Why did you do this, they ask him. He says, that is the thousandth why. There's this no morning. why. There am. is no why. It just is. The cops are enjoying his presence. He's he grabs their hat and balances on his nose, you know. And, and he's like, ah, yeah. He's like, oh, you cuff me? No, you don't. <laughs> That's the best one. You got to learn the cuff, dude. They they send him to the psych ward. What? Yeah, Beekman to be exact. And you can't be that crazy to. It's standard protocol. Lead a, lead a cult of people to to like. Do this for you. Help Sean Francois got sent there too. And he says, there were crazy people, but we weren't mad. We were stars. So Philip says, I kept asking for what there. I was so dehydrated. And he said, when was the last time you drank? They say Perrier. I say, no, <laughs> I don't want Perrier. I said, are you crazy? You mad. Do you know what I just did? I danced at the top of the world. I am on the front pages of all the world. 300 journalists are waiting to talk to me. And you ask me, when was the last time I drank? You're completely mad. 
So he wrote, this guy is completely normal. He's just very thirsty. Yeah. <laughs> so the reporters, you know, say the police took a humorless view of the act. I disagree. Some of these cops were chuckling it up. So um, they decide to charge them with trespassing and disorderly contact. Easy. Yep. Easy. So the DA, Phil says, the district attorney, you offered me a deal. What did you say you was going to get? Three to five? I said uh, five years. He originally. Said, he said, Philippe, if you agree to do a little show in the Central Park. A little show. Just juggling three oranges in front of your kids. Four kids. But on camera, for the news and all that, then I will drop all of the charges. So I said, sure. So um, the we see an, a, a copy of the arrest um, complaint. And the cop wrote down um, Man on Wire, which is where we get the name of this film. Yeah. So he gets off. He just has to do community service, basically. And he says, and now I climb down the steps of the police, the justice I saw in the crowd and admire. And she was smiling beautifully. She came to me and she put her hands on my neck in a loving way. And she amorously said, Philip, I would like to be the first person to welcome and celebrate with you. Mm. Let's. I bet you would. Let's. I can follow you anywhere. Mm -hmm. So, yes, it did end up in a waterbed. Yes. In some Uh, loft somewhere. But I went for a very short little moment of, I don't know, uh, pleasure of the flesh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) How disgusting. (laughs) (laughs) But but I am not sorry. How beautiful, too. I mean, my friends were waiting for me. Annie, my girlfriend. (laughs) It was a betrayal. Right, of course. (laughs) He's not banging the first check that says, fuck me. Yeah. Most friends are downstairs. Yeah. Can you imagine poor Annie? He's a rock star. <laughs> and he says... This is why I do it. I remember... <laughs> to fuck these pigs. <laughs> I remember... I call and I say, Annie, uh, my friends, I have many interviews to do. I will see you soon. Yeah. Uh, I had a magnificent explosion of, <laughs> of pleasure. <laughs> Let's oh, say it. And then I went back, oh, frightened to death. You know, my friends thinking, I'm a really, really guilty guy, you know? Yeah. And he says, I saw Philippe discover what it meant to be famous. Yeah, yeah. it's called being a coos hound. Yeah. <laughs> to be recognized yep. with expressions of friendliness and enthusiasm. People would cross the street to tell him, you gave us such a gift. It was yeah. so beautiful. It was a breath of fresh air. Thank you. It was an extraordinary, and I think in Philip's mind, many things were changing. Not like that lame evil Knievel. Well, the reports, this goes worldwide. He's in 300 newspapers. He says, I am a celebrity in New York. People say, are you the guy who walked between the Twin Towers? I say, yeah, 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 it's me. This is incredible. Then some people say, are you the guy who? I say, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then people say, are you the guy? I say, yes, yes, it is me. Well, we got some bad news. Jean-Francois got expelled from the United States for good, for life. Mm. Said I thought that was a bit harsh. And Jean-Louis, he says, we talked about it uh, on the plane. Jean-Francois was so happy. He said, well, I'm ready for the next time. I said, there's not going to be any more. 
uh, any more stories like this. And they broke down. Uh, probably in this friendship, he says, it doesn't matter because we'll basically, because we did it and you can't take away what happened. And what happened is, and then he starts crying. He can't even finish his, his sentence. And Annie says there was a love story, but it was clear that Philippe had gone through an incredible moment in his life and he was starting something else, a new life. Strangely, I felt the same way. Our relationship was meant to end there and it was beautiful that way. Mm. We see Philippe's press pass and a still photo of him at the top of the tower with his name and date signed on a piece of metal hanging like right to, near the edge, August 7th, 1974, and his glorious signature. And then we fade into his backyard in France in the present day while he's rigging up a tightrope. And he says to me, it's really... It's so simple. The life should be lived on the edge of life. You have to exercise rebellion, to refuse to taper yourself to rules, to refuse your own success, to refuse to repeat yourself, to see every day, every year, every idea as a true challenge, and then you are going to live your life on the tightrope. And we see him walking on his rope, on a beautiful fall day as we fade out. Wow. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. <laughs> you you think? fade out and it's crazy. So that's it. It just ends it there, huh? Yeah, that's wow. it. Whoa. So, so how many dockings do you give it? Man, this was tough. Mm, shitty? No, 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 no. Mm. I wanted to give it my top four dockings. Mm. I'm going to have to bump it down to three and a half dockings. You can use point sevens, point six no, and no, stuff no, no. like Barstool, you know? No, not how I do it. Okay. It's a three and a half docking, and it only goes from a four to a three and a half because of the musical interlude of because Donald of and fucking, the piano. Yes. Yeah. I like it. It doesn't fit. I like it, Chris. Yeah. and But in my opinion, you still got to go see this. I, I want to see at least parts I, of I didn't it. cry. Yeah, but I got uh, I felt the goosebumps, mm -hmm. and you see how much this meant to so many people. And I like the weirdness of the fact that um, his relationship with Annie, she knew it had to end there too. You know, even though they were in love, right? But he basically locked himself in a hotel room with the first random chick that came up to him. Yeah, sleazeball. But it kind of fits the pattern of somebody that's like, I just had this enormous success, but I don't want to celebrate it with those closest to me for some reason, hmm. which I find that maybe whole, it vindicates it by like, by not vindicates it. It, it, it man. It, well, the, yeah, it's a, because it's from someone from the outside, like recognizing your yeah, accomplishment. Maybe, maybe. But um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's a very interesting person. And of course, maybe he's just trying to get his green card. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> and this is, yeah, maybe it worked. Who knows? Yeah. But yeah, definitely go watch this for sure. And uh, of course, um, we want to thank you for taking the time to tune in. And we can always use your help around here. So please do um, reach out to us on social media. Uh, or of course, leave us a five-star review on Apple Pod or Spotify. And if you want to directly email us, you can email us at downonthedocs at gmail.com. Dave, anything else you want to add? Well, that'll be it. Just um, leave us a review and find us on Discord. Okay, it means a lot, guys. We'll, we're already excited to bring you next week's uh, documentary. We'll see you in the Discord. 
chat it up with you. Until then, so long.